On behalf of The Real Real, I'm Julie Gilhart, President of Tomorrow Projects and Chief Development Officer of Tomorrow. And I'm Sarah Kozlowski, VP of Program Strategies of Education and Sustainability at the CFDA. And we're excited to be co-hosting the CFDA and The Real Real Collaborative Podcast, Circle of Influence. This podcast takes a deep dive into fashion sustainability, past, present, and future. In a world still reeling from the impact of COVID, and social unrest, the conversation is more urgent than ever. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Circle of Influence, the collaborative uh, podcast brought to you by the CFDA and The Real Real. I'm your host for today's episode, Sarah Kozlowski, Director of Education and Sustainable Strategies at the CFDA. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Today, in Wardrobe for the Future, we'll be exploring what might be in the closet for the future of fashion with fashion founders Juicy Batoni of Class, Christy Kaler for Days, Sarah Leff and Jonathan Cohen of namesake brand Jonathan Cohen. I think that there is a growing rhetoric that this year has been a year of reckoning in many ways. Obviously, globally, we're continuing to work together to fight against the pandemic. We're navigating many dimensions of adversity that that has caused. And then here in the U.S., we've been stewarding as a community our fight against inequalities and at the same time, a growing sense that we are here now in a climate emergency. So amidst all of this uh, here reckoning, I, I look forward to talking to you about, you know, topics such as resiliency and looking forward. I guess my first question I'd love to hear from each of you is like, given all of the context and thinking about innovation and forward long view, what during these times of change and uncertainty has helped each of you to remain resilient? And maybe Jonathan and Sarah, do you want to kick that off? I think what's kept me going and something that I kind of recently felt into is that I still really love what I do. And it's getting me through these hard times. I think at the beginning, obviously everyone was very scared and, you know, I'm still scared, but it kind of left me a little paralyzed. You know, it was the first time in my life where I wasn't sketching and I wasn't designing. I felt very... um, worried about that because I've always been able to do that. And and then in the last recent months, it's just been like pouring out of me and it's almost become my defense mechanism. You know, I kind of started realizing that for me, if if that's taken away from me, then those kind of powers above me, then they've won, you know, but for me, I still love what I do. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I'm even more passionate about it now. And I'm, you know, in this place where and I think part of what I do love about fashion is that it's constantly going forward. We don't look back. So I think it's important to be adaptable and to move with the times. And, you know, I kind of almost feel like it's not like we're starting over again, but it feels like the start again. You know, like even having like our sketch reviews, they're all on the floor again, like when we first started. <laughs> There's something really exciting about that. It almost became like too methodical the way we were doing things, you know, it became very... Um, you know, like season one season. And so this kind of new start to kind of rethink ways and reshape our partnerships and really do what makes us happy has been a a silver lining in all this kind of sadness. Absolutely. And uncertainty. Opportunity to recalibrate your value system. And it sounds like creativity, you know, and authenticity and and re grounding to, to what you do and love and, 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 and growing from that yeah. DNA. And also kind of putting your foot down a little, you know, like when we decided when COVID hit, we immediately decided to skip 
the next season and kind of cancel production. Some people were questioning that. And I'm like, no, we're really happy with this decision. This is what we're going to do. And we know that it's the best thing for our future. And just being able to have that confidence now being like, this is what we're doing. If it's a problem for people, then they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be working with them. (laughs) I think the sense of our community, um, just the conversations from day one that we've been able to have. And if it meant about clothing, if it meant about what was going on and what we want to do in the future. And I think we were able to have these amazing conversations on a daily basis of like what we started to impact, like we, with launching the studio less than a year ago, we had a goal and what we wanted to keep talking about and how that incorporated into today with, you know, factories close, mills close, what can we do? And I think the use of excess has been such a big conversation that really took a, you know, a pivotal front row starting March that everyone had to work with what they had. And any creative context, sometimes having parameters helps to really grow ingenuity. Just just jump to to Juicy, um, because especially uh, you being centered in in Milan primarily, um, you uh, sadly, uh, from the vantage point of Italy, were were many steps ahead of us here in the U.S. uh, in terms of um, the onset of the pandemic. So so you have some wisdom, uh, and uh, how have you strived to really remain resilient uh, during all of these these difficult months? Well, um, yes, it has been tough at the beginning because when he came, we were not prepared at all. We didn't expect something so quick, something so tough, something unexpected also. You know, we didn't know what it was. Well, we do not know yet exactly what it is because that's why we are still struggling, generally speaking, at worldwide level. But immediately after, you know, we got uh, uh, this awareness uh, that we had time for the first time in our life, (laughs) you know, due to a bad, I mean, due to a tragedy, as we all said, but we have time to think. We have time to rethink also at what we are, you know, we were doing, how we were doing. And suddenly, you know, everything was going to a different speed or no speed at all. And you could feel, you know, immediately that it was important, very important to set up voice, you know, and to set up something to share the feelings and to share the knowledge because sustainability came up like a, you know, a mushroom, you know, and you have this explosion, but very positive at the same time, because we have been always thinking and talking about the fact that sustainability, you know, it's responsibility in uh, how you do things, uh, you know, and uh, where your materials are coming from and where they're going afterwards. But one of the key, let's say, values uh, has always been material health, you know, and Health is the key words, you know, that started in March to become like, you know, the main thing. And without, you know, again, recalibrating the values of them with with people and planet really at the very top of of what we do, you know, without wellness, where where can we be possibly? How can we move forward? Strong, really the strongest part that took a lot of people and a lot of companies. So, human center with the business behind that was taking another, was integrating another dimension at class. We are always talking about how to integrate sustainability into the design where we love to do design. It's it's great, Jonathan. We love what we do also because we like to wear certain things, you know, but we need to have 
an innovation way that is also responsible. And part of the innovation is the respect for the human being and for the environment altogether. And step by step, you can see that things are going to be included, at least in the next strategies. For some people, very roughly, you know, they do not know yet what they are talking about. <laughs> but it's good, you know, because you create another level of conversation. And it's very clear that we need to be as simple as possible. Because it's not anymore the time to, you know, to make these, how do you say in, in English, pindaric flights, meaning very uh, difficult way of talking about sustainability. You know, sustainability today has to be, first of all, responsibility, responsibility toward people, toward what we wear, what we do. And the key thing that came up very strong is also where are the things going after we use them? So I think tragedy for sure, but I think we have an exceptional time if we are able to learn from these. Because as you said, Sarah, very rightly at the beginning, some of our, let's say, pillars were already a little bit not so stable. Mm. <laughs> you know, our economy and, and our way to make things and our way to produce and to uh, sell was not so strong. Now we have a great opportunity, I think. But we need the tool really change. Four days as really one of the, the most groundbreaking, you know, brand models focused on true circularity, uh, which uh, we look forward for you telling us about. But um, you've had such a long tenure in the field of sustainability and, and leading through many dimensions of that. So um, how, are you, how are you navigating today's times uh, resiliently? I second a lot of what the other folks have said, and I think you've used the term values very consistently throughout this. And I think for four days specifically, we were such a deeply mission-oriented business and trying to transform fashion into a circular economy. It's always been the core and foundational component of, of why we exist. And so in these uncertain times, we just kind of got back to that and said, okay, that is, that is our reason for being is to drive sustainability and circularity forward. We're a small team. How do we stay nimble and agile and work with our partners, work with our community, work with our customers, um, both on kind of a communication front, community building, but product front. I think it was mentioned before, you know, the mask kind of category didn't exist before March. Um, and we really pivoted some of our production into mask making at a very, very early stage in the pandemic, specifically because we knew we used organic materials. We have a swap system. So we said, well, we can take these all back. We can actually make these recyclable and recycle them. And so to kind of address that issue of single use items, we were like, well, let's be at the forefront of those conversations. And sometimes you just have to be active and kind of spring into action and and be part of the conversation, I think, always through the lens of authenticity. I think in, in another kind of avenue of the social justice movement, we've really tried to kind of lean into and be a voice for intersectional environmentalism and say, okay, what does that actually mean? And we had to educate ourselves deeply and, and really kind of find community partners to help navigate and, and express what we wanted to do to participate in moving that forward. Um, but it's always getting back to your roots. Why do we exist? Mm -hmm. Why are we here? And I think it makes it easier for a team and an organization to kind of coalesce and really work towards something when you have a true north. I think, as everybody's mentioned, sustainability and, and the, 
conversation with the customer is more present than and, and available than ever before. And that's such an exciting educational opportunity. Um, and I think for us, we really also are, are kind of waving a flag of optimism. I think in this moment of ah fear, what are we going to do? We're like, the future is going to be better. We're all working together towards that. And that's where kind of our messaging around for better days um, really played an active role and will continue to play an active role. Amazing. It sounds like from each of you that, um, and, and I'm sure you hear the same many reference now as um, an acceleration for sustainability. I think in the, you know, the immediate, there was sort of a pause uh, for almost everything, but it sounds like part of that tipping point and uh, could be a genesis of a time when businesses are really not only mission, but purpose driven. Jonathan and Sarah, would you be able to share a little bit about um, some of the things that you were working on within Jonathan Cohen. I know you've also done some collaborations and worked in interesting ways with materials. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after we did the uh, Lexus program with CFDA, part of that was to figure out how we could better our company, how we can make it more sustainable. And we came up with the concept of um, the studio, which if you go on our website, it's com. So what we did is with the studio, we did this, um, we opened our, our e-commerce for the first time and it was all made of using our own dead stock fabric. So that meant, because I designed all the textiles. So each textile to us is very precious and unique and has its, you know, it has a story to it. So we felt the value didn't get depleted as the years went on. So we were sitting on a lot of our own dead stock and we just started creating new products from them, launching on the website. And also what we did is with our production, we started realizing um, that a lot of these scraps go to waste. So we started, we went into our factories and we gave them these bins and we said, after you cut production, put all the scraps in there and we'll take them. And we started creating new products with them. We did like felted patchwork coats with them. Um, we did, we worked with a, a really cool place called Weaving Hands in Brooklyn that um, weaves all your scraps into new textiles. So it was a way of just repurposing things and then also, that was the launch of our, our direct-to-consumer business. It also allowed us a platform to collaborate. In the past, when we did wholesale, when we strictly did wholesale, collaborations had to fit into a specific calendar at a wholesale price at a specific timeline. And now it allows us a platform that we can create one-of-a-kind pieces if it means working with an artist and only doing one or 10 mm-hmm. and accommodating the need. It's really allowed us to evaluate what do we have and what new can we create and we're not pigeonholed into anything. Yeah, and also lets us um, react quickly to market, especially now with the pandemic and when masks became such a, a big thing, we we looked at our textiles and we're like, well, this is a great opportunity to repurpose some of these textiles and make masks out of them and, you know, using from small scraps to big scraps. And it's we launched on our website and it's been going great and it's selling really well. And we really made really special masks that you don't just want to throw away. They're not one-time use. Um, I wear them a lot. Um, and there, it's it's it was the point of the studio to kind of create this kind of liberating way of producing product and not so much beholden on a schedule. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful because when I think of Jonathan Cohen, uh, the florals and all of your prints, I mean, are so core to to your identity, and yeah. uh, and, and you just found it like a really emotional, like bespoke, truly bespoke way to to create. Uh, you know, working into that strategy of, of dead stock, but it's really, you know, has your fingerprint on it. No, exactly. And I think that's the, 
entire thing that sustainability doesn't mean it's not going to look like your brand. Juicy, uh, speaking as our, our really smart materials and also innovation expert, and also with uh, such a, a rich heritage and vantage point of, of made in Italy and the importance of luxury in materials and sustainability. What do you see that's exciting to you? Um, you know, whether designers uh, approaching, you know, reuse and, and you know, repurposing um, in the ways that they are or uh, working with many of the, the, the mills that you do and having access to so much uh, knowledge about what's in the pipeline uh, for new materials in the future. With pleasure. This is my, you know, <laughs> my passion. I'm really, really uh, pleased and proud because, um, you know, we started in 2007 uh, where, you know, when you were talking about the sustainability in material, everybody was just saying, uh, you know, it's not good looking, it's not performing and it's very expensive. I'm not saying uh, that it's completely changed, but for sure the perception is much different. But to me, the, the important thing is that today we are not just talking about sustainable material, but we are talking about the latest innovation in, you know, in material, because I think one of the key elements and uh, needs that we have as class is to inspire much more than selling, <laughs> because each one of the designers did to select and to choose whatever they think is good for their line. And at the beginning, we had a very simple selection about, you know, natural and organics and let's say recycled and a little bit of innovative. Today we had uh, really at the end of 2019 and, you know, just before the pandemic, just by chance, you know, there are always, um, you know, coincidences that are not coincidence. We really reshaped our, uh, let's say, architecture because we understood that these kind of uh, uh, let's say architecture was not helping anymore because it's true that we need um, uh, materials, but we need tools to create. And the materials are not just the materials that you create or that you develop, but it's much more than that. So we came to this definition of what we call smart tools that are tools that allow and empower people, you know, designer or uh, students <laughs> or, you know, all the category of creative people to understand that, that uh, they have a set of, you know, uh, a menu of tools that they can choose to do things. It's not like when we started that, you know, the designer wanted just to do recycle or repurposed or very innovative or biopolymers. You know, now the designer can choose the best technologies and the best uh, a proposal that we have in the market and that we have divided in five, uh, let's say, families. The first one is, of course, natural and organics, but where natural and organics for us needs to be anyway um, traceable, fully transparent, and we need to know where it's coming from and again, <laughs> and where it's going and how it's processed, because we know very well that sometimes organic or natural doesn't mean sustainable or ethical, for example, you know? So, for us, natural organics, you know, it's linked to these values, the three-dimensional values of class. We have the transformed, so all the word of transformation, that for me, it's not really just recycled because you have so many possibilities and technology to transform, you know, garments, material, pre-consumer, post-consumer in a mechanical way, in a chemical way. You need to know all this information because 
each one of these technology is leading you to a completely different outcome, you know, of the final product. But of course, each one of these, uh, you know, technologies has to respond to criteria, again, about uh, transparency, traceability, uh, you know, to evaluate the impact on the environment and on the human being and ethics. The third element is innovative materials that at Till now, they are into, you know, very innovative polymers or biopolymers, but it's going to be very soon uh, split in different elements because we have so many new technology coming and uh, we need to be more precise because it's important, you know, everything that class do is doing it because we need to be circular. And circular does not just mean to recycle something, but to do things with a design-driven idea. So in parting back in the loop, now we are also pushing, not just to create something new, but also to reuse or use in the best way what is already there. And last but not least is future devices, because we understood that, you know, when we are three-dimensional, so we have design, innovation, and responsibility, sometimes we are missing the storytelling of the story-making. You know, a lot of people is doing the storytelling without doing the story making. That for me is greenwashing, but there is a lot of it. <laughs> and we have people that is doing a fantastic story making that is not able to do the storytelling. Yeah. So <laughs> we yeah. have been working with uh, one startup in Milan that is called WeArt that is able to remotizing the touch of the fabric, you know, through some special technology, through rings, you know, and uh, it's doing very well and we believe a lot in the digital part. So you need to have some physical thing, but you need also to use very well the digital. We learn very well that it's not, you know, it's not needed to go around the world like crazy, you know, uh, cows, <laughs> but it's enough to have a very good, for example, in this case, or, uh, you know, the other important company that sense material reality that is able to remotizing uh, the visual and uh, to the point that uh, when on your smartphone, you can see a fabric. And if you blow on your smartphone, the, the fabric is blowing and flying. Amazing. Amazing. So we have defined for the first time this year uh, a new prize that is called Class Icon, where we try to uh, award a designer that is not just using sustainability, but really in a creative way through different technology and opening up the conversation with consumer. This year we had Gilberto Calzolari, but you know we are looking for more on the next year. And last but not least, we have also opened a competition. And I'm telling here because I want a lot of people to apply because everybody is talking about um, you know material and it's perfect. And we had a great boost thanks to the innovation that responsible innovation that has come. But now we need very good way to communicate it. Because when you think about sustainability and material, now you think about the next level. When it's communicating, a lot of time is about words like uh, organic, recycled, or just a leaf, or just the earth. I think it's much more than that because today we are to a level where we need to include, I go back to my preferred word, new generation of values that the consumer is looking for. Amazing. Thank you so much, JC. Just very inspiring to hear you talk so much about not only the material innovation, but the process innovation for the materials. Christy, I, I would love uh, for you to share with us, um, you just, again, uh, 
four days is such an incredible example of innovation in the entire model of, of the business, of the brand, uh, from material to, to process. Can you share a bit about what your, your initial vision was or what compelled you to, to uh, launch four days? Sure. Yeah. It kind of came from two different directions. As you mentioned, I've been uh, in the fashion space for a long time. I've been spearheading these conversations around sustainability, responsibility, innovation for a long time. And usually was the crazy person in the room where people are like, why would we do that? We don't do it that way. <laughs> I was like ahead of, ahead of the conversation, which is great. But in this case, you know, having seen kind of mass market mechanics and production and the just sheer quantity of stuff that's made mm-hmm. to produce that revenue. I was like, oh, just kind of burdened by the knowledge of that. And then when I launched Fayette and moved more into the luxury space and in the wholesale space, I was like, oh, well, we're going to make far fewer things and it's going to be much more efficient. And this is going to be a great way of doing business. And obviously our kind of social mission was incredibly intact and we worked with artisans in developing economies, but I still found the industry to be wasteful. And I was mm-hmm. still kind of swimming in a sea of markdowns and returns. And to me, I was like, oh, wow, this is pervasive. This is actually kind of a market issue, a business model issue. The only way we know how to make money is to sell customers more and more and more stuff. And we don't take responsibility for that stuff. And it ends up in landfill. And we know those statistics and it's just when you look at the U.S. and it's like the 70 pounds per person that ends up in landfill and the quantity of donations that end up in landfill and the the small quantity of textiles that are recycled, you just realize like this isn't changing anytime soon. Um, And I found it really perplexing that we put the burden on the customer to figure out what to do with product at the end of life. I found in my own life, and this was from the other direction that four days came is that I moved apartments in New York and, and kind of did that classic purge and sold things to the real, real and Buffalo exchange and went to like great lengths to make sure my products were getting into the right hands. And I was still left with a pile of crap and it was pit stained t-shirts and single socks and stretched out pajamas. And I was like, what do I do with this stuff? Like there's really very few channels where I know it's going to be productively repurposed, reused, upcycled, recycled. Um, It's really hard. And why do I own it? Really? Why do I own these for forever? There's no residual value. I want to use them, but they, they wear in, they're almost like consumables. And so it was really kind of the, the, both directions, the industry experience and then the personal experience that led me to say, I think there's a new way to relating to clothing and we have to create that. And wouldn't it be wonderful if things could float in and out of our lives exactly as we needed them very seamlessly in a system that kind of supported us in that activity, made it very easy and a system that also took responsibility for everything that they put out into the world and took it back and created a supply chain that could really absorb the product at the end of life and, and retain maximum value through the principles of circular economy and, and say, okay, if we design materials for the end of life, if we design clothing, for the end of life, we can actually take it, whether it's disassembly, reuse, um, we do a reincarnation program or upcycling of the materials into new materials, we could actually start to really execute a circular economy model. And then the question just becomes, how do you do that in a way that also drives superior financial results? And profitability is incredibly important. Um, And so to me, the win was really figuring out, cracking the code on a business model that incentivized the right sustainable behavior um, that really gave the customer a reward for doing the right thing, but was built as an ecosystem to work together towards circularity. And so for us, as I, I really kind of crystallized the vision for this, um, you know, I realized it didn't exist. 
and it was one of those moments where I was like, well, I think we have to go out and create it from scratch, um, which we, yeah, which we've done. And, and so really it's, it's distilled down into a simple mechanism for customers where you can really just swap anything out at any time you're financially incentivized to do that. We take responsibility for everything sent back to us and we upcycle everything that's sent back into new materials, new fabrics, new products. Um, and so it's, it's kind of this connected complete circle. It's incredible because it's it's so many steps farther than uh, you know an initial take back system program. It's yeah. it's it's so much more than subscription. It's it, it truly is a true circle. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for 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 sharing it. And with that, I think uh, I want to make sure I hear from each of you. Um, you know, when you look to the future, like uh, hopefully we will in, uh, have a vaccine that's safe, effective, or we'll we'll get to a point where. Uh, we're able to to stabilize and uh, 12 to 18 months from now, we'd love to know, you know, what do you hope to see uh, in the future of, of your work, uh, things that you might carry forward that you've learned from this time and, and things that you hope to to try or grow and achieve? You know, I think this idea of partnership and collaboration and community and those those elements for us are so exciting and something we aim to build out over time. What we've built with four days is kind of a proof point that we can achieve sustainability and circularity in an innovative way that's also engaging and profitable and makes you know cool product. But there are so many people making really amazing products and so many people making incredible investments in innovation and new materials and technology. So for me, it's 12 to 18 months. I think the market and the customer is now ready, which is wonderful this is new. Um, and so how do we just drive this forward, uh, in the most robust and transform transformational way possible. And I think in my view, that's empowering our community, really listening to them and then thriving through partnerships and collaboration. Thank you. JC, what, what do you hope for? Well, first of all, I hope that we learn this lesson. If we do not understand this one, it's going to be impossible really to, to change. I'm really optimist. I think that, uh, when I started in 2007, I was saying that one plus one has to make three because when you are working together, you know, you are going to multiply. Now I'm starting from one plus one has to make six at least <laughs> because now the value is even more. The people feel stronger about it. For us, one of the key objectives at the moment is the new generation of designer. That doesn't mean, you know, the youngest but the people that he's already aligned with this value, that's where we need to make more and more, you know, alliance and uh, to communicate together. And we have um, dedicated two tools for this. One is the smart voice. Once a month, we have a digital talk, a simple one really, but about a very concrete solution, you know, that are consumer driven, you know, uh, we have done uh, what is, uh, you know, circular economy for different brands. We will have uh, one conversation about uh, a new collection of ochery that are completely sustainable and beautiful from Wolford and other people. Uh, so to share, to share and to share this information and try to, you know, be together to, to communicate them. And on the other side, for the new generation, we have done this uh, smart shop that is basically uh, a way for all the designer at international level, and it's going very well. We launched it in 2018 in New York when we have our birthday, 10-year birthday uh, anniversary. Uh, but basically, we take the best, uh, you know, materials that we have in our material hub that we talked before, 
and we make them available from one meter to 50 meter at very reasonable price. Also the back in the loop system, so everything. And for us, it's the best, uh, um, you know, education tools because a lot of the new designer coming from school or, you know, just starting or wanting to do something different is not so easy to find the materials uh, in, the, in the right way and in the right price. I was really shocked to go around the world to visit wholesaler, you know, for students and for designer, Europe, US, Japan. And I found really in sustainability, I found material that was not really looking like fashion material and so expensive. So how we can pass a message to the new generation about being sustainable, being still so expensive. So I really hope that um, this new generation of uh, designer that start from circular and circular approach and also choosing the, the best way for them, you know, to use material. doesn't matter if it's upcycle or downcycle, but with the right values to communicate in the right way to the consumer because we need to have the consumer on board. Thank you, Juicy. So beautifully said. Sarah, what, what do you look forward with hope for? I think just responsibility. Um, we've always kind of gone about our development processes. We're able to create something, but knowing we're taking full responsibility of what we create and what we do not use. And I hope everyone kind of t- steps away and remembers who's making everything, how things are being made, and just the partnerships that they can have with one another. Find beauty in new things and old. Amazing. And Jonathan? There's two things, two things that concern me but I think we can get there. I think something I always talk about when I'm part of these conversations is that, you know, I kind of, in our company, we kind of come from a a slight advantage and a place of privilege that we are at a luxury price point. Mm -hmm. So making these changes wasn't hard for us because it didn't change our price of our product that much. And what I've always been concerned about, and as much as you can educate your customer, if they can't afford it, then you know, that doesn't really solve the problem. So for me, it's how do we make sustainability and the production process and that whole supply chain more, that becomes more accessible to every type of consumer, not just at a luxury standpoint. And it's happening. And I don't, I don't necessarily have the answer for this because, you know, I just know how much these things cost. So it's kind of that, that's where I'd like to see the future of sustainability because, I think that's the biggest issue we face right now is how do we make it more open to everybody? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I just think that's an important conversation to always have when we're talking about, about these issues. Then the other part um, is I feel a lot of time the accountability and is always put on the designer and the design house. And I think it needs to go broader than that. Uh, and I think Christy kind of touched on this about wholesale models and all that. And, you know, I think a lot of times you see more of these conglomerates and these big stores kind of bringing in these designers who have really done the work and really have, you know, figured out as best that they can and then promoting those designers and kind of being like, see, we're on this like sustainability train. But then when you look into, but then you have to ask like, what is that store actually doing in in their model to really help? the problem and not, um, you know, become the problem. Cause then you look at how they want things shipped and it's all poly bags and plastic hangers and every store wants something different. So I think, you know, the spotlight has to like shine on everyone in the industry, not just on the design houses, which I think it, they, it is a problem, but also has to, it, it it's a full circle. 
and it's very 360 and everyone kind of has to get involved. And I think everyone needs to kind of um, uh, take ownership. And this goes into sustainability and to inclusivity. I mean, I keep thinking of what Rory James did with the 15% pledge and, you know, kind of being like, yes, the design, we all have to look at our companies, but also like these, these huge retailers need to also step up and kind of show what they're doing to help the problem. Absolutely. And I think that's such a, a poignant closing point, just uh, the reminder to us all as we strive with, to have momentum, hopefully around sustainability and strive for bright spots and, and truly a transformative future, a term that's used a lot, which is that as people, we really uh, are responsible to design the systems, but we also have to be mindful of how to change the system and, and recalibrate and, and adapt. Uh, but that there is this uh, tremendous opportunity to really recode a value system for the future that is more just, um, that is holistic, that's circular, uh, and to be mindful not to retrograde and to um, and unlearn some of the, the lessons that we have through this time. Circle of Influence podcast is co-hosted by Julie Gohart and me, Sarah Kozlowski, and produced by Hangar Studios. If you like what you're hearing, rate and review. It helps other listeners to find us. And of course, thank you so much for listening.